electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now on Last Call, summer heat taking some electric grids to a breaking point, but it's not just the temperatures to blame. Gone in a flash. Threads users are now down by more than half, but Mark Zuckerberg may have a new trick up his sleeve. Her love don't cost a thing because not Jennifer Lopez. Look at that. It is AI J-Lo, and it is the star of an ad that could change everything for one industry. So much for housing relief. Home prices, they keep going up in many towns. Are there any deals to be found? Josh Allman, star of Million Dollar Listing, L.A., is here. Plus, the crazy gets even crazier in the Tupperware meme stock rally. And meet the new power brokers influencing where you eat. And, of course, it is all about social media. All that and much more on this Friday. So belly up or buckle up because last call is up right now. All right. Hi, everybody. Good evening here. Good afternoon out west. I am Brian Sullivan and happy Friday. And it has been a happy time for most investors lately because once again, Wall Street is on record watch. Really? Today, the Dow got its groove back, closing up 177 points after yesterday's drop broke a record tying streak. But your money rose across the board today. Tech was hot and inflation, a new reading, was not. And while the Dow's epic run has understandably gotten headlines, You may just be missing how close stocks are getting to new all-time records. Take a look or listen to these numbers. The Dow, now just 4% from its all-time record. The S&P, 5%. Now, the NASDAQ, a little more work to do, despite a remarkable gain this year, still about 12% away from shattering its ceiling. (laughs) Not sure anyone saw this coming at the beginning of the year. Now, this all makes for huge stakes next week, more than 10 Trillion dollars worth of S&P companies are set to give results. Apple, Amazon, Caterpillar, Starbucks, and many, many more will deliver critical signals about the health of their industries and the overall economy. So if all goes well with that, will new market records be next, maybe even next week? Joining us now with some further insight is seasoned investor and founder of Tasty Trade, and that is Tom Sosnoff. Tom, good to have you back on again. Kind of a surprise little rally here, maybe not to you and to deep options, folks, but to most of us, it probably is. To what do we ascribe it? What was the catalyst for what's happened the last couple of weeks? I, I think you just described it. I think that and, and by the way, it was a surprise to most option folks, including myself. I, I think you just described it. I don't think anybody expected this. And the market tends to do what people least expect it to do. So I think that this rally, as incredible as it's been, is more of a surprise to everybody. And, and you know, a lot of people jumping on, especially today, especially after yesterday's turnaround. So kind of a remarkable rally today. Just amazing. You know, and this is not like my second cousin Cletus, like buying 37 <laughs> shares of Intel. Yeah. Exactly. And I, and I don't know if it's hedge funds either. Are these 
these mysterious, and you know them all probably, these mysterious CTAs, many of them, by the way, where you are in Chicago, are, do you think they're the ones who are driving it? Or if not, who? I don't. I, I, there, there is a lot of, because of the capital efficiency of the option markets, there is a lot of retail players that are jumping in, you know, with different strategies that you might not have seen 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But I really think, you know, just ba just looking at the volume of the last two days and looking at where most of the action came from, this is very much, and I don't know if it's a good thing, but it's very much retail driven. We saw a huge spike in trading activity over the last two days, which means, I mean, I mean, you can argue there's a lot of complacency. There's very little fear. The VIX is at a multi-year low. And I, I think just, you know, we're looking at a marketplace now where it's it's kind of frothy, but it's also exciting. So people are jumping in. People love to speculate. Brian, we've talked about this before. People just love to speculate, and they love to speculate in bull markets. Yep, and they love, they love oftentimes, and I mean this with respect to all of our listeners and viewers, and yours too, they often will speculate at exactly the wrong time. Is now the time? I mean, the technicals look pretty doggone good from what I've seen, but what are you seeing? Is now the time to put more money into the U.S. stock market for, for short, long-term always, right? But short-term is what I mean. Yeah. Long term, you know, long term passive investors, sure, that that's, you know, that's a that's a that's a no brainer. But on a short term basis for, you know, for traders, for swing traders, um, for people that like to just be active in the markets, which is kind of, you know, the marketplace that we cater to. Um, I think this is actually one of those, you know, um, there's asymmetric risk to the downside. I think we talked a couple of months ago and, and we were talking when the market was kind of on its lows and I said, there's asymmetric risk to the upside. Well, now we see a little bit of asymmetric risk to the downside. Volatility is super cheap. It has a lot of risk here, you know, outlier risk to the downside. And, um, but until this trend is broken, until something snaps, I mean, we've had a lot of, if you think about it, some of these mega tech stocks have had yeah. kind of pretty bad earnings and yet the market just keeps shrugging higher. So, the Nasdaq's very, very frothy here. Yeah, it, it is. And, and, I, and I, don't, I certainly do not want to bring politics into last call. There are many other channels and oh, shows that make their living doing that. We are not one of them. That said, Tom, I'm looking at a VIX. And a VIX is like, you know, whatever it is, so, so low indicating. And by the way, for people who don't know the VIX, like a fear gauge. Basically, there's no fear in the market. Obviously, got the continued war in Ukraine. Right. And, and we've got, by the way, the two leading contenders in each party for political office, each one facing different types of, shall we say, legal scrutiny at this point. What I'm saying is not to bring in politics, but the market appears to be like the world is just, at, you know, in this beautiful, calm place. I don't see that. Do you? It's it's incredible. But the market has the ability. It has this ability to look forward and look way beyond, you know, two old potential candidates. It has the it has the ability to look way beyond what's happening in Ukraine right now. And I, I think, you know, people are I think people are really focused on some other things. Like, for example, I think there there's this undertone that maybe the Fed is done, you know, raising rates and therefore all of a sudden stocks got a lot more attractive. And I also think that, you know, when you start to look at, you know, um, again, I'm going to get back to this speculative fever. People love to jump on a bull market. And we haven't seen something like this, Brian, in you know almost two years now. So I think if there's just a lot of pent up demand. And when you look at the globe right now and you look around pretty much anywhere in the world, you know, the only place anybody wants to play and the only place that has the depth of liquidity to play 
is the U.S. market and really, you know, the top 10, 15, 20 stocks in the U.S. So we're talking about a massive pool of liquidity and people love it. Sounds like the Cabbage Patch Kids. Just, you know, if you remember that from like 30 or 40, whatever years ago, you know, everybody wants the same thing. Let's show that, that, that big, beautiful wall once again, guys. All the companies, Tom, we're showing our viewers that are rolling out with earnings. Of course, thank God I'm off next week, by the way. Got Apple, <laughs> Amazon, <laughs> I'll be up your way, and a bunch of other companies. Earnings matter. We know that. But you just made the kind of the offhand comment that the earnings haven't been great and markets keep going up. So how closely are we? How closely should we be watching earnings? Well, the interesting thing about next week is the two big stocks are um, Apple and Amazon. And the crazy thing about it is the expected move in Apple next week is $4.80. And the stock's at an all-time high. The expected move in Amazon is only six seventy. dollars And when you go back, you'd have to go back on a percentage basis. I don't even know how many years, probably decades, to find an expected move that low in both of those stocks. So the market has just gotten to the point where it's like, hey, we don't care. Like, there's no fear at all in this, which which obviously scares the hell out of me. But, you know, for most people, yeah. you know, for, for most people that aren't active traders, they're like, OK, this looks great. Sure. It's safe to go in the water. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing uh, I, I'll paraphrase my, my long departed, uh, very southern grandma. The thing I'm most afeard of is no fear. And, and that's kind of where we are. Um, I probably actually do have a second cousin named Cletus. But anyway, Tom, Tom Sosnoff, thank you very much, my man. Uh, maybe I'll see you in the Midwest next week. Be well. All right, so we just hit the overall markets. Now on to our studs and duds for the week. The biggest winners in the week, Lamb Research, Visalign Maker, Align Technology, and Textron. On to the duds. Battery maker and energy transition company Enphase Energy. The CEO saying that higher interest rates are hurting battery sales because it makes them more expensive. Where have we heard that before? Also crumbling this week, Arista Networks and Alaska Airlines. Nobody wants to go to Alaska. Beautiful. All right, up next, pushed to the brink. The power grid warning you need to hear. Plus, to quote the movie A Bronx Tale, now use can't leave. More Threads users move for the exit, but Zuck has a plan to try to keep you, if you're still on it, hooked in. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. All right, welcome back to Last Call. Let's talk power, or rather the potential lack thereof, because one of America's largest energy grids, actually the largest, is warning about power supplies during hot summer days, issuing what's called a maximum generation alert because everybody's cranking their air conditioners 
and the summer heat is a big issue. It has been hot across much of America. Now, of course, it is very easy to blame any power problems, electricity issues, on the weather. It's too cold. It's too hot. All the extremes. But here's the thing. The operator is called PJM Interconnect. They run the grid for 65 million people from Virginia to where we're sitting right now in New Jersey, all the way west to Chicago. They put out another warning about energy reserves. Now, PJM does have the power, but they are concerned about contingency reserves. PJM expects power demand to be about 153 to 155,000 megawatts today. Now, do not worry about what that means. It's a lot. And so we got the warning. But what's interesting is that PGM notes it is its record power generation was on a day back in 2006 when they had to deliver about 165,000 megawatts to keep everything running. They list their peak, by the way, at around 168,000. So in 06, for a day, got really, really close of not having enough. The question is, as we run near the edge of the grid, is this more of a demand story, it's hot, so we use more energy, or more of a supply story? Now, fairly, it's probably a bit of both. But note this, back in February, PJM quietly released a report, it's on their website, go check it out, warning of, quote, reliability risks to the power grid. And I'll summarize the report, basically admitted that current electricity production may not be enough to meet growing electricity demand in about seven years for 65 million people. Scary stuff. Now, the report did cite pretty much, again, summarizing four main reasons. First, yep, rising demand. Obviously, the population keeps growing, and so are the number of power-sucking data centers in Virginia. They mentioned that specifically. But they also noted that many coal and natural gas plants, as we know, are being shut down. But supplies aren't building enough or suppliers not building enough new power plants fast enough to make up for some of those shutdowns. So what about renewables filling that gap? Well, PGM notes that energy experts agree on this. You'd have to build a lot more generation capacity to replace other kinds of plants. The reason is that if you want to replace a certain amount of always on electricity made by, say, a nuclear facility, you need to build three or four times as much renewable production capacity in case the wind isn't blowing or the sun isn't shining. Now, speaking of power, if you're on the East Coast or parts of the Midwest and wondering where your power came from today, well, as of a couple of hours ago, here's where it was. About half of all electricity generation for 65 million people came from natural gas. About a quarter was nuclear. Another big chunk was old coal. Yep, coal. And then there were some smaller slices like solar, wind, and hydro that did increase a little bit as it got warmer during the day. Bottom line is this, folks. We know the energy transition is happening, but the energy transition must also be an energy addition, or the lights could literally go out. Let's bring in Mark Nelson on this. He's the founder and managing director of Radiant Energy Group. Obviously very, very pro-nuclear, and, and I follow you, and I'm not going to just sing the praises of nuclear, Mark, but react to this, this new warning and that report they put out a, a few months ago about where we may be truly headed, as hard as it is to believe, for tens of millions of Americans. Well, first, I have to say, Brian, that PJM is one of the most conservative and probably one of the best run electricity markets in the world, has one of the highest reputations among power experts that I speak to, and one of the lowest reputations among, say, renewable energy developers. 
Whether those two things are related, we leave to the audience. Here's what I think is inexcusable. Although it's good that PJM is looking ahead six, seven years at this point, that's better than in the past. We've lost almost two gigawatts of nuclear, not far from where you are now, just in the last few years. And the claim was, if the market prices are low, that means you have too many power plants. And the fact that you could see heat being an issue into the future, and you could see electrification being an issue, was no call for interfering with the loss of these nuclear plants. I find that unacceptable. Yeah, and, and to, I love your previous point, too, because we're not nobody's going after PGM. They're just a grid operator. I think they do a pretty doggone good job of moving electricity around, you know, when they have to. They fill the gaps here and there. They're not making the power. It's all the power companies and, and who they buy for. You referenced the two gigawatts of nuclear coming off again, megawatts, kilowatts, gigawatts, right? You know, whatever it was from Back to the Future with the lightning bolt and the DeLorean. Put that into perspective, Mark, about how much has come off the grid and how we get that. Where do we fill that from if we're not building natural gas or coal? Sure, Brian, uh, just under two gigawatts from those nuclear plants that closed, that'd be about one and a half million people's worth of electricity. It may sound like not that much, but those nuclear plants were, as admitted by PJM themselves, by far their most reliable generation during extreme weather events, either in the summer or the winter. So it's not just one and a half million out of 65 million, so it's not much. It's that it was the absolute most reliable generation they had. We can compare that to the generation that's coming in. You mentioned three or four times more capacity needed for weather and sun-based resources. Well, that's what PJM is warning about. They, you, you say they're just the uh, operator of the grid. That's not quite true. They also run the rules of the electricity auctions. Okay and the support mechanisms that are supposed to make people stand up and say, I'll risk my money building a power plant right here, and, and may the devil take us if we, if we fail. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And again, this is, all, this is an extremely wonky world, and I certainly am no expert. It's been, a, it's been a learning experience for me too, Mark, the last number of years diving into this whole electricity generation thing. It's, it's a very unique world. So also in sort of plain English, remember our audience, maybe they're having a cocktail right now or wherever you are in Chicago. Um, if you take, let's say a million homes worth of electricity off, you shut down a nuclear plant, everybody cheers. Now you've got a million homes that need power. You say, we'll replace it with wind. That's fine. You're going to, according to what I've read, you have to build three to four million homes worth of wind in different places, because if it's not blowing here, it, it has to be blowing there. Is that a fair statement? It's, it's fair. And in the end, if you don't have any wind during an extreme event, then even your estimation is off. And I suppose we'll put this in plain English. PJM, this big market, this was an invention that's only about 20 years old. It was an experiment run by economists to see if you could lower the price of electricity a little bit. So we switched from vertically integrated utilities, like still operate in the American South, that make their own power plants, run their own power plants. They would issue their own internal warning, I don't know, by email to their own power plants to say, let's run. Meanwhile, PJM has to ask or request or beg or threaten power plant owners that they don't control to bring all their power plants yeah. on. So we've moved to a system that tries to shave off a few pennies and maybe catch them in front of a steamroller uh, 
that's not that's not great for the future if we're trying to grow electricity. At least PJM is warning and warning, unlike the blind mess we yeah. got in Texas just a few years ago. Yeah, I'll give them credit for the warning. The, the report is on their website as well. It's an important, I think energy is kind of an important thing when it's really hot or really cold. Mark Nelson, really appreciate your view. Thank you very much. All right, on deck, just when you thought you was out, can Zuck pull you back in? His new plan to keep people from bailing on threads, even as Musk says Twitter is posting some big time numbers. Plus, meet Gen AI from the block. It looks like the real J-Lo. It sounds like the real J-Lo, but it is not the real J-Lo, the ad campaign that could change everything. Next. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, it is time for tomorrow's news tonight. And there is a new report from Reuters on Facebook's so-called Twitter killer threads. Now, of course, it launched to huge fanfare. And quickly, the pundits pronounced victory. Threads up, Twitter done. But since that first week, it's uh, threads kind of a bit of a bust with both users and time on the app falling. So Reuters now reporting that Mark Zuckerberg is apparently looking into adding so-called retention hooks to keep people on the app. Things like making sure more Instagram users see important or noteworthy threads on threads. Joining us now is one of the reporters behind the story, and that is Sheila Dang from Reuters. Sheila, great scoop. What is a retention hook? So uh, yesterday during an internal uh, company meeting at Meta, Uh, Mark Zuckerberg talked about the need to roll out more features on Threads. So when Threads launched, it uh, was very simple and bare bones, and uh, they have seen a drop off in users since launching earlier this month. So he and Chris Cox, Meta's chief product officer, talked about features like uh, introducing a desktop version so that users can finally use threads on the desktop and not just their their phones and adding more search functionality to threads. So so th- those are new features that are expected to, to keep threads users coming back. It's we- weird, Sheila. They didn't have a desktop version. It's like, because I'm on threads, sort of, uh, and I would just copy and paste my tweets to threads because I view them as you know the same thing and just kind of that way I don't have to type twice, but you can't do that. If you're at work and using things like a tweet deck, whatever it might be, is there is there a chatter that Threads was just kind of released too soon? So during this uh, in- internal company meeting yesterday, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and the executives uh, acknowledged that um, they they had this really good opportunity to, to launch Threads, and they had actually been been working on this and discussing it since late last year. Um, but, you know, they, they really emphasized that they were really excited by the early excitement around around threads. But mm-hmm. um, they, they they did say that power users of social media would really want to be able to use threads on on the desktop and be able to more easily uh, post yeah. and, and, and rethread 
other posts. Yeah, simple stuff. Great piece, though, Sheila Dang, and really appreciate you joining us on last call. Have a great night and a good weekend. Thank you. Thank you. All right, in the meantime, cruising is as hot as, well, parts of the Atlantic Ocean right now. According to a trade group, about 31.5 million cruise passengers are expected to cruise this year. What's remarkable? That would be even more than the total global cruise volume the year before COVID. And now one cruise line, Virgin Voyages, turning to what else? AI to increase bookings with a little help from megastar Jennifer Lopez. CNBC's Andrea Day has more. It's me, Jennifer Lopez. Virgin Voyages is betting big on its new campaign. Invite all your friends. Starring J-Lo, plus her digital twin, Gen AI. It did require a significant financial investment, but we are already seeing it pay off. This is at the same tier that a brand would spend for a Super Bowl integration. In the millions of dollars. Here to invite you. In the tongue-in-cheek spot. The Gen AI malfunctions, revealing her true identity, a guy named Kyle. Really, Kyle? That's the brand's founder, billionaire Richard Branson, making a cameo. But it's more than just a funny commercial. Obviously, we are also in the business of making bookings. So the video ends, driving viewers to Virgin's website. Create your custom invite. Where they can make J-Lo call out their friends and family by name and invite them to take a cruise. Now... Who would you like to celebrate with? So let's see how this works. So I'm going to go ahead and send out an invite to Last Call host Brian Sullivan. Let's see what he thinks. Just a few clicks and... Hello, Brian. Jennifer Lopez here. Andrea told me you deserve to celebrate everything and nothing with a voyage. The guy behind the campaign in tech, VML Y&R's Brian Yamada. Gen AI was really a combination of two different generative technologies. The first is generative voice and the second is generative video. The generative video allowed us to mimic her mouth movements to make sure that the look of the video actually followed the different syllables. Jennifer Lopez here. But the idea of putting any name into JLo's mouth could lead some people trying to use bad words. Give it to me. There's no kids here. That's all you need to know. But the team's thought of that. Somebody's putting in something not appropriate then the invitation is generic so she says hello sailor instead as i was saying how's the campaign working so far we've already generated more than a thousand bookings just from this campaign and that may sound like oh well what does a thousand bookings mean it not only requires a financial investment but it requires your time and planning our engagement rates are more than 150 percent in previous campaigns and Yamada says that success is attracting more companies to AI-powered ads. The demand is off the charts. It's not just a yacht. It's a super yacht. All right. The team says they were really careful about how they showcase the AI parts of this campaign. In fact, you'll notice that there's an effect every time the tech is working to make JLo say something that she really didn't say. So they are intentionally making this AI part obvious, almost poking fun at it, very tongue-in-cheek. Thank you for the invitation, <laughs> by the way. I've never been on a cruise. I, okay, done? I got a couple things. So, All right. number two questions. Number one, does this sort of, does that, like, J-Lo experience continue on the boat? Number two, so they said you can't input bad words. So basically, if I try to be like, <laughs> yo, uncle, get on the bleeping boat with me, what, that's can't not going to happen. You can't do it. Okay. They have a list of words that she can say, a list of names she can't, you know, that she can't say. So if you say that, what's going to happen? Hey, sailor. She's going to resort to saying, hey, sailor. Brian worked fine, though. I inputted Brian. It came right out.
But what did they, you, but then they said like celebrate all or nothing. Celebrate, so you can pick and choose different things that you're going to, you know, celebrate, oh. like just anniversary, because, oh wedding, uh, divorce, anything you want to celebrate, Brian. Who's divorce? Is that the woman from Seinfeld? <laughs> So wait, so let's get back to your other question. So does the AI continue? <laughs> I can't with you. I can't. Let's just do it it's, right it's now. It's Friday. It's Friday. We have our drinks ready. So who's We're next? We're ready to go on board. <laughs> with who's the, next? With Divorce. Right, right um, now it's I, I, I love, I love <laughs> <laughs> We have like Brad Pitt doing that then, right? Like you could, pretty soon you could be able to pick. Let's say you love J-Lo or you love somebody else. Can you, are we going to Wouldn't that be great? Who would you pick? Uh, you don't, you're not a, are you a J-Lo fan? Amazingly talented and wildly successful. I, I think, you know, we, what are you talking about? Like, would it be like a celebrity? For me, it would be like Mario Andretti. That's nice. Because as a, you know, he's like the greatest car racer to ever live. So that, to me, that would be. Right. Okay. So I don't fangirl much, right? But I have to say when she says, hey, Andrea, I was kind of like, uh, this is embarrassing. I know I shouldn't really say this. It's, say a little, it. it's a fangirl moment. I love it. A tiny fangirl moment. It's, and that's, by, by the way, I love it. Fantastic stuff. You're bringing the heat all day long. <laughs> You're the best. I'm the worst. Uh, Still ahead. Who could have ever seen this coming? Hashtag sarcasm. WeWork's controversial ultra-rich founder defaulting on a loan. Plus, prices soaring, almost nothing to choose from, and people appear to be panic buying. Yeah, we're talking about real estate, and Josh Altman of Million Dollar Listing LA is here. All right, welcome back to Last Call. Here's a story that we found random but interesting. You remember the guy who founded WeWork, Adam Newman? Well, he got super rich. Even as many investors got wiped out. In fact, it's reported that he's a billionaire or double billionaire getting rich off founding WeWork. The same WeWork that eventually went bankrupt and slammed a lot of investors. Well, real estate publication The Real Deal reporting that Newman is trying to sell his New York City penthouse. There it is, 32 million bucks. It looks spectacular. Now, normally we don't care about things like this, but here's the deal. The real deal also just reported that Newman defaulted on a $31 million loan for an office building in California. He reportedly bought the building through his family office investment fund. So you got a $31 million default here, possible $32 million condo sale there. Oh, the tangled lives of the rich and famous. Well, that is not the only interesting real estate story that we have for you. The Los Angeles County Assessor has announced property values have hit a record high, nearly $2 trillion in just L.A. County. And that is up nearly 6% from last year. (laughs) Congratulations, by the way, if you or someone you know has owned property in L.A. for a while. Now, if you actually want to buy property, though, things aren't exactly very great. On top of rising prices and, oh yeah, high mortgage rates, there is this issue of low inventory. Just almost no homes actually for sale. And get this, the median listing price for an existing home in L.A. County is now the same as a new home, a newly built home. So if we have cities reaching record high property values and new and hold homes coming in at the same price, is there anywhere you can still find a deal, particularly in SoCal? Joining us now, Further Insight, it's co-founder of the Altman Brothers and, of course, Million Dollar Listing L.A. star Josh Altman. Uh, is this all-time record low inventory, Josh? 
So first of all, I just got to apologize. I'm on the side of the road about to film a scene for Million Dollar Listing right here. So <laughs> this is the best I can give you <laughs> live from my car. Um, yeah, so really, really interesting. Just think about how much more money the counter assessor would have taken in this year if they didn't propose that ULA measure. We're talking billions more. So that's just a whole nother thing that people are forgetting right now. But I sat with my title rep, which I do every week, and we look at the market. We look how we're doing, and we're down about 17% in the second quarter of this year compared to the second quarter of last year in 2022. So about 5,200 units sold in the second quarter compared to about 7,200 units uh, last year, which is about a $3 billion difference, uh, $3 wow. billion less now in 2023 than it was last year. Um, so, you know, yeah, hold on, Josh, first off, however, of course, no, no need to apologize, my man. This, every time you've been on with us, you've been on your phone in the car. It's worked. It's the most L.A. thing ever. I think it should be your thing. Like it's you that, that, that every time you come on, I want you to be in the car because it actually is the most Los Angeles thing ever. So it's all good. So you're talking about this millionaire's tax that we you and I talked about a couple of couple of you know months ago, just taking money uh, out of the market and giving it to who knows the government to do something with. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is it's really clear when you look at the high-end market. Of course, I I specialize in the high-end market in the city of Los Angeles. And if you look at prices over $5 million, I'm sorry, sales over $5 million compared to this year in the second quarter, compared to last year, 166 homes sold in the second quarter, and this year, 41. That's because of the ULA measure. If you look over 10 million, which is my bread and butter, you're talking about 62 houses last year in the same quarter compared to 13. And so, you know, we're looking mm -hmm. at all this assessment, which is all great. But at the end of the day, it's actually a lot less than what it could have been, which is the issue. Josh Altman, we'll let you get back to filming. Million dollar listing L.A. Good luck. Can't wait to see it. Josh, thank you. Have a great weekend. All right, coming up, it is the messy of AI, at least according to one top tech analyst. The bold call sending one stock soaring. Plus, will a mean stock frenzy pop on top of Tupperware? All right, let's get to our last call watch list. First up, Tupperware, the meme stock frenzy around the shares, not letting up for the week. Tupperware popped 165%. It was a roller coaster today. First, it was way up, then it was way down, and a bunch of meme stock traders came in and it closed higher. Next up is Uber. Believe it or not, it hit a new yearly high today. There was a bullish note out from Oppenheimer. And if you have ridden in an Uber lately, you know that prices have gone up. Finally, Palantir Shares getting a major boost today, closing up more than 10%. Dan Ives put out a note calling Pan Palantir the Messi of AI, a nod to Lionel Messi, the soccer legend. He says Palantir is poised to capitalize on the massive AI boom by creating applications for corporate clients. Dan slapped a $25 target on Palantir, which is trading near $18 now. All right, speaking of AI, the revolution might be coming to a financial firm or advisor near you. AI wealth platform Tiffin is teaming up with J.P. Morgan to launch Tiffin AI, which will use computing to change the way wealth advisors operate and manage your money. Joining us now for more is Tiffin founder and CEO 
Vinay Nair. Vinay, thanks for joining us. All right, might have a lot of financial advisors or RIAs or whatever watching right now. What is it going to do? What will your technology mean for the industry? Hey, Brian, great to be here on a Friday. Uh, Tiffin, as you know, is an AI platform for wealth. We create built companies to change wealth outcomes. What Tiffin.ai, which we're super excited about, is doing is to take Gen AI to the corporate clients such as JP Morgan and really build applications where individual touch points with wealth will change. All right, so, so what does that mean? If I'm using a wealth advisor and that wealth advisor is using your product, how will your product will it, will it make recommendations for the wealth advisor? Because the wealth advisors are still getting the recommendations likely from the parent company that they work for, if they're UBS or Merrill Lynch or whatever it is. That's right, Brian. So think of the financial advisor, the wealth advisor, who's bombarded with information, content, more and more asset classes, more and more securities, talking to a client. They will now have a co-pilot that sits with them, answers questions that they have, produces high quality, personalized, relevant answers, which helps the advisor just do a better job. Is this going to, re uh, we ask this with all technology, Vinay, you know that, <laughs> right? Like the horse and buggy or whatever, but, and, and end up, we end up having more jobs. But should financial advisors be nervous? Will this replace them? I think they should be excited. I think that there's a study that McKinsey did recently. It apparently saves 60% of your time by embracing some, some of the Gen AI technologies. So think about how much more the financial advisor can do with the time that they save. And frankly, that's what they're really good at, building trust and finding clients. I think that Gen AI will change the number of clients each financial advisor has in the future. Today, they have about 150 clients. I believe that number will at least double with some of the productivity improvements. Vinay Nair, Tiffin AI, really interesting how fast everything is moving as well, Vinay. Thanks, have a great weekend. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, you too, Brian. All right. Time now for our quicker than the ticker, the rest of the news that matters and an extremely cool whale sighting. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock. The Emmy Awards postponed due to the ongoing writers and actors strike in Hollywood, originally planned for September. The New York Times says the show will likely be moved to January. Dead? Hardly. Elon Musk says X, you know, Twitter, is reaching new user highs with more than 541 million monthly users he posted a chart on the platform earlier today. Wow, an incredible scene off the coast of Cape Cod. Three humpback whales jumping out of the water at the same time, captured by some pretty lucky whale watchers. Drake revealed himself as the new owner of a million dollar custom design ring by the late rapper Tupac Shakur. The ring was recently sold at a Sotheby's auction. From Swift-onomics to the Swift Shake, during Taylor Swift's two recent eras tour stops in Seattle, seismologists calculated a 2.3 magnitude earthquake due to all the dancing. Yeah, dancing, I guess, shaking it off a little bit too hard. That's it for Quicker Than the Ticker. They got their money's worth on that whale siding trip. All right, coming up. They're called food influencers for a reason, and they are completely changing how you decide where to eat. We're going to be joined by one of the biggest, most well-known. Next. This is 
the most underrated steak breeds in New York City. Leo is putting France on watch with this dish. They attack it with these crispy fries, fresh cracked pepper, and this beautiful opgrove sauce. I'll start to speak a little French after this bite. All right, you, we're, all, we're all really hungry by this time of day here on Last Call. That was a review from Jack Goldberg. He is the food influencer behind Jack's Dining Room. Hugely popular on social media, 282,000 plus followers of TikTok, 130,000 on Instagram. Some of his videos get millions of views, and guess what? These kinds of reviews, his and others, are becoming more important to restaurants these days. According to a recent survey on payments, nearly one in five customers look to influencers for reviews. And a Google executive recently said that 40%, that's like almost half, of Gen Zers prefer using TikTok and Instagram for search over things like Google Maps. So for more on this, let's bring in the food influence himself. That is Jack Goldberg. He is the man behind Jack's dining room. Thanks for having us, Brian. No, listen, it's good. This is the, this is the future. So people your age, they're not going to Google Maps. Old people like me, we read the magazines. Sometimes we go on Google Maps. Nobody else is, apparently. No one else. It's really TikTok. If you're getting restaurant recommendations, you want to know we're going to dinner, you're looking on Instagram, you're looking on TikTok, best restaurants in New York City. No one's reading magazines anymore. Now, no well, now, well, I, they, they didn't even read them back when I was about your age. But, but, it's, right. it's, but you can't. So now you can do searches. I'm traveling. I'm in Milan, Italy. Yeah. I'm in Westport, Connecticut. I think mm -hmm. you've heard of that. I'm in L.A. I, don't, I can go on TikTok and probably Snapchat with Snap Maps yeah, as well, and Instagram, and find you or other influencers saying this place, it's not good, or it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I think now people are catering all of their food choices based on what they're seeing online. I think a lot of people too, there's negative reviews, there's positive reviews, it's like, you know, how do you know what to trust? But yeah. you have to really filter everything okay you can make or break a place yeah. you can go to somewhere like you just called by the way i'm like where was that you just called leo it? in williamsburg where is it leo in williamsburg okay, i gotta place go there and check great. out i'm gonna this check out great. that steak free because you made a big comment there now yeah is leo's paying you no we do not because so, i think integrity lot, yeah, i totally. hope integrity still matters with the so reviews. a lot of what people say is oh like you know you say things are great all the time we have a passion for food my partner liam and i uh he's like first of all it wouldn't be anything without him. He's like the Christopher Nolan of short form content. So we, this isn't by mistake. We were working at Big Four Consulting and switched to, you know, we had a passion. You were at Pricewaterhouse, PwC. Yes. Yeah, we, so we were at PwC. You this, left like this great this, job. This is how, on old the are, side. how old are you? I'm 24 years so old. So 24, you got one of the best jobs. I mean, no best, but you know what I mean. Hardest to get jobs out of college. And you're like, I'm out. I'm going to go make videos we, of food. Yeah, so my best friend and I, Liam, we met in Sydney, Australia. Say, they were happy about it. We met in Sydney, Australia. We had a passion for food and making content. So on the side, we're running around. Uh, he literally came from San Francisco, stayed on my couch for like six months. We did a first video. He pretended to be like my manager and called all these places. <laughs> like my food superstar client wants to do a video. Everyone said no. And one place said yes, uh, Aldama in Williamsburg. We went, we did the video, over 200,000 views. Do they, do they get up your grill... When you walk in, like yeah. I said, you can you can make the place or you can help break the place. They know you're there. Yeah, you're not hiding. No. Do they get up your grill like make sure it's good? Like no, I mean I, we get special treatment at times, but we um, it's really about like we are passionate about food. We go to places that we love, and we what drives us every day is our passion for what we do. It's like we want to live a life we love. We don't want to we don't want to work a nine to five. No, because uh, you yeah, thanks. Because you, you <laughs> although this is not as not not pure, no, it's seven forty five. Uh, you you got into the kitchen, so you get access. You know, you were showing them cooking the steak and everything. You get the act. You got into the most expensive 
grocery store in America, in the Hamptons. Yeah, yeah. well, and we... <laughs> like, did they get on you for saying that? No, I mean, I don't think they know. A lot of places like that. We, we're driven by, I mean, we put out positivity. We want to highlight these chefs. And what drives us every day is, like, knowing what we can do is help a business. I think a lot of people, you know, they see influencers and they're like, oh, you get paid. Oh, you want a free meal. It's like, we're driven by going to these restaurants. We went to Taste of Heaven in Brooklyn, a soul food okay. couple. Uh, and they've been going for seven years, family owned, and we did a video with them. Uh, and they said that line's never been longer. They're like 300 foot line and wow. they've never been busier. So it's more about, you know, how can we do what we love, making food videos and have a passion for food. So how do you, and, so I've got a list here on iCloud, yeah. right? Of all the places I want to go in yep. all the major cities in America and the world, I find it from a variety of sources. When I go there, I cut it off. How do you decide where to go? If you go to Chicago yeah. for a week, how are you picking where you're going to review? A lot of the time is spent just doing research. Um, based gotta, on I'm some, feeling my list being judged here. I, I don't worry. <laughs> That's a good list. It's a good list. But just just study. You know, I love food. My partner, he loves food. Like, we spend a lot of our time going to the places that we want to go to. So we're not going anywhere. We're not telling people where not to eat. Like, our goal is to tell you yeah. the best places to eat. And to But will you look it. to other influencers? Like, like let's say there's, yeah. there's somebody yeah, yeah, in totally. Chicago you respect. Totally. Look at their stuff. Be like, let's, totally. let's put, yeah, check yeah. that place Or out. we'll do collabs. I mean, we worked with Kujin in New York City. He's a big guy. Uh, we'll work with, you know, the local people in each area because you got to know who you trust. That's fantastic. Um, we're going to share notes when, when the show. I mean, I'm old. I clearly, some, I clearly, some, clearly like to eat, Jack. So it's all good. We got good. some good recommendations for you. I'm going to check them out. I'm not too old. How do I use? How do I turn this on? We'll help you. Thank there. you, Jack Steiner. Check him out on the gram and TikTok. All right. Do you know what happened 65 years ago this weekend? I turned 20. I'm kidding. Congress created NASA. The space agency has achieved many historic milestones, including landing on the moon. Obviously, who can forget that amazing, iconic line from Neil Armstrong? Here's a video of him and Buzz Aldrin raising the American flag on the moon and estimated 650 million people. Back then, watch that moment on TV. NASA trying to return to the moon, by the way, with an Artemis rocket. All right, folks, hope you had a wonderful, wonderful week. We're going to do, I'm off next week, so I'll have a wonderful week. But tune into Last Call on Monday. Either way, have a great weekend. Be well. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.